0: Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. But we have now officially had a nativity scene, so I guess, you know, tick, Christmas is nearly here. Uh, We are so close to Christmas, and um, I just love Christmas. I love uh, hearing the carols in the shopping centers, Uh, I've heard Mariah Carey's all I want for Christmas is you maybe 50 times now and uh, whenever we hear Mariah Carey we know that Christmas is very very close and uh, I have heard it because I've been having to do a fair bit of extra shopping as so many of you have had to do Uh, we had a like internal staff sort of a Christmas party uh, you know just during the week and one of the things that we did is we had we played this game It's called bad Santa don't Google that but I'll tell you how the game actually works Uh, what you do is you You buy buy a gift, and then everybody gets a number, and you choose your presents in order of the number that you get. You draw it out of a hat, and then people can steal gifts from Anyway, the point is, it's a lot of fun, and the responsibility on me was to go and to get into the shops in about 15 minutes and buy three gifts under $15. I do not mind telling you that I did it in less than five minutes, um, which was pretty impressive. Can I... Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Pretty impressive. Three gifts in under 15 minutes, and all the people that have the language, the the uh, you know the five love lang- languages. If your love language is gift giving, you are horrified because you know how much thought I put into getting those three <laughs> gifts which was pretty much nothing at all. Uh, I just needed three things under $15. The thing about that game is that you don't know who is going to get the gift, so you don't have any pressure. But if you're a gift giver and you're one of those people that wants to find the perfect gift, has anybody here one of those gift givers? Like Your love language is gift giving. Anybody here? Just like six or seven people in this whole room. I pray for your spouses, for all the people with hands down and your kids, if you have kids, your family members, because you're just not those people. I, I'm one of your people, right? But, but we, we, we're not the gift, you know, the people that are going to spend ages looking for that. But if you have ever tried to find the perfect gift, um, it can be a lot of pressure. Spare a thought, please, everyone, for the wise men who were finding the perfect gift for little baby Jesus. And uh, I actually want to speak into that, that finding that gift for baby Jesus uh, the gift that they gave to him. Why does that even matter? Is it significant at all? So I want to read a scripture to you. It comes out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. And it says Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. Now, we call them wise men, but the original language is the word magos. And what that means is basically pagan astrologers. Yes, it's probably not the greatest translation, (laughs) wise men, but actually pagan astrologers who were profoundly respected for their understanding of the occult. So there you go. We call them wise men. I don't know. Maybe we should go back and retranslate that, but that's what they were known for. And they had wise men all the time and and you can find them throughout the books uh, of the Bible. For example, uh, when Pharaoh was trying to figure out what to do with Moses, he called upon some, what? wise men. They, they, they featured there as well. That's who they were. But they came from the east and they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has born, been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star. Why did they see his star? Because they were astrologers. They were looking to the skies already. They saw his star when it rose and they said have, they have come to worship him. At this point, and even in Jewish culture, uh, they believed that the stars could, in some way, predict your destiny. Obviously, not all the Jewish people, but there were there was a belief amongst the culture and the community that they that stars could predict. Uh, the rise and decline of different kings and emperors. So, for example, Herod, he really wanted to find uh, the Messiah because a star had arisen. And he discovered that when the astrologers, the pagan astrologers actually pointed it out to him. And Herod, he was he, his family had actually com- uh, converted to become Jewish. So he was this Jewish person who had a Jewish belief in a sense, but he absolutely was concerned about the star that had risen. Emperors were very concerned about this this in fact it is told that emperor Nero uh, when he was in power a comet had passed the earth and they believed that it predicted the decline of his reign as emperor so to offset the decline he slaughtered a bunch of his nobles I know don't work for Nero so um, but that's what he did hoping that that would be enough to change his fate and change the things that the stars had determined but this is the culture in which we find these wise men so I looked at the story of the wise men and I'm thinking what really makes these guys so wise what was it about them? Well, here's a couple of things that we know. They weren't Christian, because guys, there were no Christians. Not yet, at least, anyway. Uh, they'd never even heard of a Christian. They weren't Jewish people. They came from the East. Closest guess is that they were from Babylon, and so they had traveled as pagan astrologers from Babylon to come. But what made them so wise? When we read this story, it calls them wise men. Well, how about this? They were able to read the Scriptures, the Scriptures, because they quote them and they were able to determine and ascertain the moment that the Messiah was actually born. Now that is pretty impressive, especially when you consider that the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees, the uh, uh, the scribes, the religious scribes, together, the elite of the elite formed a body called the Sanhedrin, the religious board. And that religious group of people who were well versed in the Scriptures, who were looking out for the Messiah and didn't just have portions or, or, or part of the Scriptures, but had all of the Scriptures and at the same time had committed many of those Scriptures to memory, those people weren't able to determine what pagan astrologers from another nation were able to see. I think that does make them in some sense kind of wise. Yeah. Well, here's what's even more astonishing about that. God revealed himself to people, not just to the Jews, but to all people that were seeking him. Why else would you put a star in the sky? I mean, they didn't have uh, big LED flashing lights, no billboard, Messiah born here, He's not sending out group emails uh, and, and posting on social media. You know, like there's none of that. Like how, how else are you going to tell people that are seeking that the Messiah was actually born? He put a star in the sky and it attracted the attention of people that were looking to the stars. And what I think is amazing about this is that we, we would have to conclude from the very fact that he put a star in the sky is what? He wants to be found. God wants to be found, so he reveals himself to people that are actually seeking him. So so what is so wise about these guys? What's so wise about them? Well, how about this? They were able to connect prophecy with history, facts, astrology. And in seeking the truth, they were the ones who actually discovered that the king of kings had been born. And I think that's kind of wise, but here is my point. God reveals Himself to people that are seeking Him. And it doesn't really matter if you're, you know, back then in that day, people were seeking Him and they found Him. And even today, right now, maybe you're here today, you've just been invited to come along, and you're not really sure what you believe about any of this. I would tell you what worked for them can work for you. That if you seek Him, I believe that you'll find Him. These guys were wise men. They found him. You don't have to be that wise. You could just flick open the Bible. But I would tell you that, that even wise people, they struggle from time to time. What were the wise men going to give to the newborn king? What would the wise men gift, give as a gift to the Messiah that they had been searching for? You know, my family, we do a KK, Chris Kringle. So you just have to buy for one person, which does make the shopping easier, but I would say that depends on who you get. So in my house, one of the most difficult people to buy for is my dad. Do you know why? Because he doesn't need anything and he doesn't really care what he gets. You know, and that does make it a little bit easier in, in some ways. What he really wants is just to be surrounded by his family, but it's hard to buy something for someone who doesn't really care what they get and they're not in need of anything. Again, spare a thought, please. For the wise men who were bringing a gift to baby, little baby Jesus. What would you get for little baby Jesus? Well, you know, I, obviously I wasn't around at this time and I don't know what I... Would have given to him. But here is the account. Here's what they did. Here's what they gave to him. And it comes out of Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says, And going into the house, they saw the child. Since he was born a baby and now he's a child, I guess we can conclude that it took them a few years of searching to find where he really was he's grown uh, commentators would say this is probably a couple years later these wise men searched for years to find this newborn king They said that they saw the child with his mother mary and they fell down and worshipped him see the bible is full of miracles because anytime you see a group of grown men bowing down to worship a two-year-old you know it's a miracle The ones that are not laughing, maybe you don't have kids, but I have had kids. And and I'll tell you right now, if you've had children, you might know that when they're two years old, right, they're probably not the kind of people that you bow down and worship. At least you probably shouldn't do that. It's called the Terrible Twos for a reason. And while I would absolutely reject that title, there's probably a hint of truth in it there somewhere, right? But here are some grown men who were bowing down to this child, and worshiping him. It goes on to say that then opening their treasuries they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense, not Frankenstein, but frankincense and myrrh. And while we might not realize it when we see those three gifts, I don't know if it impacted you while we were watching that very accurate depiction of the nativity today, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, but those three gifts were actually very prophetic gifts. The gold symbolized something. Well, You know what gold symbolized? It was the royalty of Jesus. And then the frankincense, that that actually symbolized his deity. And then we get to myrrh. What is myrrh anyway? Well, myrrh is a very expensive perfume that they made from a plant that grew, or shrub, uh, that grew in Arabia. And you'd take that plant and you'd crush it up, and when you crushed it, it would give off a sweet scent, and that was the perfume. What does that have to do with Jesus? I am so glad that you all asked that question, and you want to know because I'm going to give you the answer anyway. Isaiah chapter fifty three verse five says, "But he was pierced for our transgressions, and why don't you read the next part with me? It says he was." Crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The, the myrrh, you can clap if you want. <laughs> the myrrh represented Jesus' suffering and his death. That's the crushing that the scriptures speak of in Isaiah 53. It represents his suffering and his death. And the question, of course, would be well, if that's meant to be in some way prophetic and speak to the person of Jesus, what does. The crushing of a human life, What is the crushing of the newborn king, what does the crushing of God's only son have to do with the sweet scent of perfume that comes from a plant? Like what's the connection there? Here is the answer. The crushing of Jesus means what? But the forgiveness of sins for all people. And that is the sweet aroma that comes out of the crushing of Jesus's life. That's what the gospel is all about. What could be the sweet aroma that comes from the crushing? It is the fact that not only is death done and defeated and paid for, but that people, because they put their faith in Him, are raised to life again and we have eternal life. And if you ask me, that is a sweet aroma for the rest of humanity. Amen? Here's what's really amazing about all of that. Here is a newsflash. Jesus was, he, he, he came from heaven. He came to earth, lived a perfect life that none of us could ever live. He died, was buried. He rose again and He ascended to the Father. But guess what? He's not staying there forever because one day He's going to come back. And here's what's really interesting, if you read the Scriptures and you understand something about what happens when He comes back, they actually tell us. And one of the things that they say to us is that gold is offered to Jesus at His return, and frankincense is offered to Jesus at His return. But it's interesting that myrrh is the gift that is not offered, you know why? Because it's in the rear vision mirror of life, the penalty has been paid, Jesus has already died on the cross, paid the penalty for sins, He doesn't need to to die all over again death is once and for all finally defeated he doesn't need it amen i i i am so thankful for what jesus has done like for me personally i i think about it a lot and i do pray every day and every day that i pray i thank him for the gospel I don't want to just go to God with my lists of things that I need from Him. I do. I thank Him for the gospel. I'm so, gracious. Uh, I'm so grateful for everything that he has done for me. And, and the, the, the best that I do oftentimes is I just say, thank you for the gospel. You know, at this church, one of the things that we do, and you would know this if, if you're a regular here, is that we speak about the gospel in every single message that's preached here because it marks not only humanity, but it marks me. I, I'm so thankful. How do I show my thanks? How do I show my gratitude? What do you get for the guy who owed you nothing and yet gave you everything. What would you give Jesus at Christmas? What would you ever give Jesus 365 days a year? What's the best thing that we could possibly give to Him? You know, it's kind of a funny thing to think about, what would you give Jesus at Christmas? It's a funny thing to think about, but what is kind of funny is that people, people do this, they do. They think about what to do at religious times in the year. They think, wow, well, oh, it's Christmas. What do we do? You know. What's interesting to me is the fact that non-religious people, and I guess at the other end of the spectrum, extremely religious people that are about the rules and regulations, they actually both end up getting Jesus the exact same gift. That's, that's interesting. They get Him the same gift. Done different ways, but essentially, what do you, what do they get Jesus? Well, they they give him their best behavior. At least that's what people that are non-religious think that God is looking for. What does God want from you? Well, He wants you to be on your best behavior. He wants you to be uh, as as well-behaved as you can be. The religious people would do the exact same thing. I mean, extremely, extremely religious people. It's about being the right person. And I guess I just want to tell you that if you think that the thing that God is looking for from you is, is, is right behaviour, be as good as you can be. And I tell you the truth, it will fail. Because unless you can give to Him a perfect life, you'll probably have to accept His on behalf of yourself. So here's what happens. We get to Christmas time and uh, people think, hey, it is Christmas. So here's what I'll give you, Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll be generous. I'll be generous. That's, that's what you're looking for, right? You want us to be generous, to be good people. So here I am. You know, if I see somebody that's asking for change, I'll give them some change. I'll be kind in the sense that I'm buying gifts for my family and you know, getting them what they want. I'll be a generous person, God. I'll 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 give into different funds and I'll give into different organisations and 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 I'll I'll do that for you, God. How, how's that? And and I'll tell you that that's good. Oh, it is. I mean, being generous is good, absolutely. And the Bible encourages us to be generous. But I've got to tell you the truth and say that's not really what Jesus would have you give to Him. It's not really what He's looking for. At Christmas time. People say, oh, I'll be very kind. That's true. They've done studies on this stuff. Can you believe it? It's actually one of the things that stresses people out is they have to be extra kind at Christmas. It's funny, you know, I, I don't care who you are. That is weird and funny. Um, but but I will be kind at Christmas. And, you know, not like I'm going to give up my car park at the shopping center kind, but but kind, you know, kind, kind. Like what I really mean is polite. I'll be polite at Christmas. Uh, I might open the door. Never a car park, but I will open the door for you. Uh, You know, I'll be kind. Jesus wants us to be kind, right? Is that good? Oh, absolutely. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm not saying it's not good. It's just probably not what Jesus really wants from you. It's interesting. (coughs) The religious and the non-religious, they give Him the same thing. Twice a year, the non-religious people often will out of just cultural context say, I'll tell you what, after all, it is your birthday, Jesus. Tell you what, I'll go to church for you. Sure, let's do that. I will go to church at Christmas. We'll celebrate your birth and your death. We'll we'll celebrate both of those events. I'll go to church, and if if you're a person that that goes to church to impress God, I've got to tell you, going to church doesn't really impress him all that much. It's not really what he's looking for. And please don't for a minute ever feel judged about that. Because I remember a time in my life where I was so far from God. And I remember trying to cut a deal with God one day. I said, Lord, if you save me from the situation that I've put myself in, I tell you what, this is what I literally said. I'll go to church for you. And it occurred to me on that day, and it must have been the grace of God because I'm not this smart, but it occurred to me on that day that offering God my church attendance isn't really what He wants from me. It's not really what He's looking for. And yet so often it's the things that we offer to Him is not the stuff that He wants. Now, all of those things, they're not bad, they're good. They're good things, being kind and generous. And sure, going to church is good too. It's just not exactly what God would really want from you. You know, the Psalmist, he wrote about what God wanted from him. And he said, hey, you don't desire uh, sacrifices, although those things were necessary. It's not offerings, although those things were necessary. And if you start to think about it you're like, well geez what what does he want like i try to do good things i i go places like church for him and sacrifices come on i'm i'll even give up a car park for you, you know like you know i'll, I'll sacrifice the an offering and, and yeah he doesn't want that stuff i mean what else what else could god really want three wise men wise men mind you they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to little baby Jesus. And those things they're good gifts, no doubt they're good gifts, but they weren't exactly what God was looking for either. You see, the thing that God wants from you at Christmas is the same thing he wants from people 365 days a year, and you know what it really is? It's your heart. That's what he really wants. He wants your heart if i was going to be totally honest and say what does jesus want from you at christmas what what is god looking for from you at christmas well i'll tell you the truth all he really wants is you and you know what's really scary about that mariah carey was right she was right i know and we're walking around that song could have been written by the holy spirit All He wants is you. Have you listened to the words of that song? I don't want a lot for Christmas. Mm -mm -mm. There is just one thing that I need. And what does he say? I don't even care about the presents under the Christmas tree. God doesn't care about the presents under the Christmas tree. What's the next line, As There is just one thing. I just want you for my own. More than you will ever know. May my wish come true is a totally unredeemable line. I don't know what to do with that one. He's the Lord. He doesn't wish for anything. He's sovereign, right? But it finishes this way. He says, all I want is you. And that's the reality. All God really wants from you is you. It's not the stuff that you give Him. It's not the gifts that you bring. It's not all the stuff outside of you. The thing He really wants from you is you. It's your heart. It's your devotion. It's your desire. Some of you will fall in love with Mariah Carey all over again. You're gonna be standing in Coles that'll come on. you say, Lord, I just worship you right now in Coles Shopping Centre as I buy my hot chicken right now. Lord, we just praise You. We worship You. Thank You, Jesus, right? Bunnings, you're buying you know, different tools. Lord, I praise you. Because yeah. because yeah, that, that song, really, it could be written by the Holy Spirit. It's definitely not. But but it, it tells a story. All oh, God really wants from at Christmas, He just wants you. It's the same thing He wants from you every single day. Could you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.